Welcome to the Tarleton BSM podcast. We are starting our new 402 series called Open Heart Surgery, a look at the attitudes of our hearts. We hope you enjoy this message from our director, Clayton Bullion. Hey guys, welcome to 402. Glad, so glad you guys are here. My name is Clayton. Uh, I'm on staff here. I have a beautiful wife and four kids. I have Noah. Uh, who's an 8th grader, Nate, who is a 6th grader, Sophia, who is a 3rd grader, and then Obi, who's about to turn 4. Now, I didn't always, like, I wasn't born into this awesome family. I wasn't born into the life I live. I actually had to work at it pretty slowly. Um, So at one point, I was single. And when I was single, I used to think that I was pretty selfless. Okay? Um, I felt like I I was available when people needed me. I felt like Somebody asked something, and what I had was anybody else's. And I felt that way until I bought a truck. You know what, you know what I'm talking about? So those of you who have trucks, you know. Because as soon as you have a truck, you automatically have a friend who needs to move something. Um, and when you buy a truck, it's this, all of a sudden, everybody sees you for what you have and not who you are all of a sudden. Um, but so, yeah, I bought a truck. Um, and I realized I wasn't as selfless as I thought. Um, And then I got married to Bethany, and I thought I was selfless. And I remember standing before her, making promises that I was going to love her the best of my ability, for better or for worse, you know, sickness, health, death, those part kind of stuff. Um, And I realized um, very quickly after I made those promises that I wasn't as selfless as I thought. Actually, I'm pretty selfish, because we had discussions about the temperature on the thermostat and the AC. We had discussions about what's the right way to fold clothes. I never knew that there was another way to fold t-shirts until I got married. And all of a sudden I had to choose the way that I knew that was quick and easy and made sense to me or the way that she wanted it done when I folded her t-shirts. So we, we compromised. Um, we do it the way she wants to have it done. Um, but then after we were married for several years, we had a kid. And I thought I was selfless until we had a kid. And I know most of you guys are not parents, but I just want you to know that your parents worked really hard on you, okay? I want you to know that it's a lot of work to raise kids. Um, And I didn't realize that until I had kids. And my parents just laughed at me, to be really honest. They said, this is what you get. Um, But I remember one night, um, and I, I, one of our kids... And it was in the middle of the night. And I remember catching myself lying in bed, hearing the kids screaming from the other room. And I remember hearing myself fake snoring. I I was fake snoring so that my wife would think I'm asleep, so that my wife would have to get up and take care of said kid. Yeah, that's the the lowest of lows. The woman who I promised, for better or for worse, Death do we part. Um, I was laying in bed lying to her, praying that she would go and, and take care of this kid. And for the most part, she's pretty selfless and she did that. Uh, but there are other times where I think she was laying next to me faking to be asleep as well. But that's, a, that's another story. Um, but I remember that moment going, I am a rotten, dirty scoundrel. I made promises to this woman. I made commitments to this woman before God and before fellow man that this is how I was going to love her and I was going to cherish her. 
And you see, when we got married, I told her I would do anything for her. And what I had in mind was like slaying dragons and conquering mountains. I did not have in mind 3 a.m. colicky screaming kids. And I realized that I was selfish. And I wasn't selfless. Have you ever had that moment where you realized how selfish you were? Or maybe how selfish someone else was? Let's play that game first. You ever realize how selfish your roommate could be about demanding the temperature on the thermostat? Or how selfish maybe your, your dad was when you were little and you always had to listen to his radio station? Or maybe how selfish it was with your boyfriend or girlfriend because you always ate at the same place no matter what, and what was date night, it was always what they wanted. But also, how many times have we been the selfish one? How many times have we been the ones who've demanded our way? Or we refuse to see things from others', others point of view? Or we would never say this out loud, but we walk into a situation and we expect to be served because it's our right. But it goes even deeper than that, not just our expectations or our selfishness, but how many times have we chosen selfishness at the detriment of somebody else? How many times have we chosen to be selfish knowing that it will hurt somebody else, that it will cost somebody else? Many of us come from divorced homes, and you've seen this played out, guys. Someone choosing to be selfish, whether one or both parties are at fault, and it affects the whole household. And we swear that we're not going to be like that. But then we push our own way and we hurt those around us that we love. We've been the victim of someone else's selfish abuse, but in the end, we're the selfish ones too. And I think the truth is that all of us have been victim to selfishness, but we've also victimized somebody else through our selfishness. For whatever the, the, the minute to the greatest thing. The truth is, is that selfishness seeps into a lot of who we are in every area of our life. And it's amazing because God loves us despite of our selfishness and He actually chooses and wants to rescue us from our selfishness. Which kind of leads us to our intro and like, what is our series about? So you've been looking at the image behind us, open heart surgery, a look at our heart attitudes. We're going to spend the next several weeks looking at what are our heart attitudes, what's the posture of our heart as it relates to others, as it relates to um, fellow Christians, as it relates um, to the body of believers or the gathering of Christians, whether it be a ministry or church. And we're going to say, how do we maximize our heart attitude or the posture of our heart towards other people so that it honors God and it brings us the most joy and purpose and fulfillment that we could find in those things. This is not a, these, these hard attitudes are not original to us. Um, Harold Bullock from Hope Church in Fort Worth was the first one to come up with these. Um, and so we're going to begin to walk through these, kind of covering one a week. And if you're here tonight and you don't have a faith element to your life yet, don't 
don't check out. This still has a lot that applies to you, lots of practical applications of how do we deal with relationships around us um, and what is the place practically we find hope and joy and fulfillment um, in looking at our heart attitude towards other people. So it kind of brings us to our big idea tonight. The big idea tonight is that God wants us to put the needs of others before our own. God wants us to put the interest of others before we look at our own interests. God wants us to live selflessly, not selfishly. And so if you've got your Bibles tonight, flip them open or flip them on. We're going to be in Philippians 2. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we're going to put the words up on the screen. But if you're new to us and you're new to the Bible, your Bible's divided up into two parts. Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Testament is the record and revelation of God working with this people called Israel. It's how he created the world, how he made promises and began to lead this people into a relationship with him. And they would kind of lean in towards God and they would fall back and lean in and fall back. And the New Testament is God answering a lot of the questions of the Old Testament, fulfilling the prophecies and the promises of the Old Testament with the person of Jesus. And his life, his death on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, his resurrection from the dead, ascension into heaven, um, and then letters back and forth um, to the early church. And so we're going to be in Philippians, which is a, a letter that was written um, by Paul, one of the earlier Christians, uh, to a church, instructing them and trying to lead them into godliness. And so here we are in Philippians 2. We'll just start in verse 3. Do nothing with selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Be selfless, not selfish. And the question is, why would God make this expectation on the Jesus followers of the day? Why would God expect this, Because some of you guys who have trusted somebody and you've been a victim of selfishness, you would say this, whoa, this is a bad idea. I don't want to do this. I don't want to put the interest of my abusive father in front of my own. I don't want to put the interest of my crazy roommate in front of my own. I don't want to put the interest of my psycho girlfriend over my own. Don't look at her. That'll give it away. Rookie mistake. But I don't want to put the interest of other people in front of me because I'm afraid that I will be taken advantage of. And that, that, is, that is understandable. We live in a broken world. People who say we don't really do seem to be deceiving themselves because there's hurt and brokenness all around. And this is first heart attitude. Our pushback to this is this awareness that we live in a broken world because we're afraid to do this because we're afraid if I put other people's needs in front of my own, they're going to be, I'm going to be the doormat. Oh, great, I'm the doormat on my res hall. Oh, Sarah, go, I'll go talk to Sarah. Sarah will do anything you want. Sarah never demands anything. She's just a pushover. I'm always going to be the one doing every single group project. I'm always the one to have to carry our, our team. I'm always going to have to be the one that gets it done in my family. But notice here he says, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but to the interest of others. Meaning there are times where getting walked on is not in your best interest. And so having appropriate boundaries is huge and is key to this. And so I just want to put that disclaimer up there before we walk through the rest of it, okay? 
So don't get overwhelmed with this, oh no, I'm going to have to go back into whatever this was. Know that there are times and appropriate places where you're not supposed to always look to the best interest of somebody else if it's abusive. And really, you, them abusing you is not in their best interest. And so there are appropriate boundaries. And, and that is another series for another time. Um, but why would God make this expectation of us as Jesus followers to be these people who are selfless, to, to put our own ambition aside and humbly serve others? Uh, the first reason, I'm just going to do three and then we'll be done tonight. Um, the first reason that God wants to serve us to serve other people is that it's attractive. Now, this is not in like numerical, like one being the most important, but a, a point is it's attractive. It just works. Guys, we see this all over life. In group projects, we know that it works better when everybody helps everybody else for the good of the team. We know that. The person that you want to be in the group project with is the person who's going to serve your needs as a teammate to see the greater good of the team fulfilled. That's, that's the group that everybody wants to be in. A lot of our organizations on campus, that's what they pitch. Come be a part of us. We will take care of you. It's attractive. Athletic teams. We all love the story of Rudy about the, the runt football player who went to Notre Dame and every single practice showed up and put his head on the line, literally, so that the team would get better. And everybody loved Rudy and they all stuck up for Rudy. We see how this works. Good teams highlight your strengths and they cover your weaknesses. It's attractive when there's a group of people who put the needs of others ahead of themselves. First Peter says, humble yourself and God will lift you up in due time. First John 13, 34 says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another because by this all people will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Can you imagine how attractive that is to have a group of people who love each other more than they love themselves and they do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but instead they look out to the interest of others. That's the kind of group that people get around and say, I want to be a part of that. How do I be a part of that? And God sets this up because it's attractive. He wants people to find the joy and the peace and the purpose and the fulfillment that comes in a relationship with Him through Jesus. And so He sets up His followers, the Jesus followers, to say, we will love each other and put each other's needs in front of our own. It's attractive. It's not only attractive, but it's what God chooses to help keep us from idolatry. And idolatry is a big church word, but essentially idolatry is the act of having idols. Okay, and most of us, when we think through that, we think through some Eastern religion with a little carved Buddha or a carved animal on a shelf uh, that you burn incense to and you pray to. But idolatry or an idol is anything that you put in front of God. They are things that keep us from following God because they, we put it in front of us and it blocks our view of who God is, and it's where we focus our affection. And guys, for most of us, the idols in our house, 
or the idols maybe in the shelf of our heart are not little Buddhas or little animals, but they're little carved images of ourself. The idols in my life, if you were going to go through the, my heart, kind of sitting up on the shelf where I continually bow down and I continually pray to is my ego or my pride. For some of us, it's our lust. And those are the little idols that we have on our shelf. They're little images that look like us. And God wants us to love Him and have Him there. And when we do that, that's when we find the joy and the peace and the purpose that only comes from Him. And so many times we exchange the source of that joy and purpose by putting ourselves and trying to find that joy and that purpose in our own agenda. Romans 1, 22 says, Claiming to be wise, we became fools. And exchanging the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creepy things. We exchange the glory of the Creator for the immediacy of the created. It's easier for me to, to worship my own needs and my own wants and put myself in the center instead of God. And God often knows that we can position our hearts in that place and we kind of lean into our own egos and our own wants and our own desires. And so God says the best way to keep you from putting yourself in front of me is putting others in front of you. God knows that if we can position our hearts to keep from putting ourselves before others, we are on the right track from keeping from putting ourselves before Him. See, just like fasting helps keep our bodies in check, serving others help keep our egos in check. It's hard to have something as an idol if you're constantly throwing it behind you. If it's constantly putting it third or fourth on the list. If you're constantly not making time for it. See, God wants us to put others in front of ourselves and be selfless instead of selfish. Because one, it's attractive. And it draws people closer to God. It draws people closer to Jesus. When they look up and see a, people, a group of people who say they love Jesus and they love each other. It's not only attractive, but it's also is a tool that God gives us to keep our hearts focused on Him. And then thirdly, God wants us to do it because He has shown us how. It's funny, in our, in our family, um, this is usually how it goes. Hey, and yell off one of my kids' names, except for Obi, he's three, so he's not really much help in taking out the trash yet. He usually makes the trash. Um, but hey, Sophia, hey Noah, hey Nate, hey, um, I need you guys to take out the trash. And puberty's hit her house, and so there's some attitude sometimes, and so occasionally one of my kids will be like, why can't you do it? Why can't you take out the trash? You never take out the trash. And it's, uh, it's coming from a position of like, Dad, I don't feel like you ever do that. You don't, like, why should I take out the trash? You don't even do that. Which is funny, because it's like, Noah, I've been taking, I, I, I've took out the trash longer than you've been alive, times three. You know, when you were three, I took out the trash, and I held you in one arm. Like, don't give me this. But oftentimes we, just like little kids, tend to look at our earthly father and be like, you can't, or our heavenly father, and say, you can't demand that of me. 
I can't give up my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my career, my parents' expectations. I can't give that up. You don't know what it's like. I can't trust you with that because you may break it because you don't know my life as well as I know my life. And we're just like a little kid yelling at the parents like, well, you've never taken out the trash for a day of your life. But it's amazing because God demonstrates what it looks like to be selfless when he could have been selfish. And he invites us into that journey with him. And this is what it says the rest of it. So remember our Philippians 2 passage? Verse 3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Put others before you. Put your ego in check. Put others in front. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Meaning if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, God's already given you the mind of Jesus in order to think and process things this way. This is your mind in Christ Jesus, verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men. Okay, let's, let's stop there. Guys, this, this, is, this is the Clayton Standard translation. But think through this. God's in heaven. Okay, God the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. All right, Jesus, they look around and they see mankind wallowing in our selfishness and our brokenness. And heaven's perfect, and heaven's glorious. It's a, it's a balmy 72 degrees. You never have to adjust the temperature. There's no hurt. There's no pain. Always clear communication. There are no tears. Okay? It is the best place. And Jesus comes up, and they kind of unveil this plan to angel, all the heavenly hosts, all the angels and everybody. They say, hey, this is what we're going to do. You guys remember mankind? Yeah, mankind. Man, they really messed that up lots of times. Yeah, yeah, we know, we know, we know. We made them, we made them. This is what we're going to do. We're going to send Jesus down to become a man. Can you imagine? Like the angels probably threw up in their mouth like, oh, girl, you're becoming a man? Oh, no, they're so stinky. They're so smelly. And they're so, oh, they, they never communicate. Right. They're so emotional. Like this war and this bloodshed. Don't do it, Jesus. Don't do it. They're going to kill you. Yeah, that's the plan. Think about it. Think what Jesus gave up in order to be here. To take off glory and majesty and honor and everything is, everything in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, worshiping you, to take that robe off and put on human skin. And he chose to do that. He chose, in humility, count others more significant. Our eternal comfort with God was more significant to Jesus than his heavenly comfort in those moments. And he emptied himself, taking on the form of servant, verse 7. Being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because he did that, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus demonstrated what it's like to put others' needs in front of his own. And so you don't have a God who's looking at you and and doesn't understand the struggles that you have or the abuse that you've been through. If anybody in this world should have struggled with ego, it was Jesus. Because ego is usually thinking more of yourself than you really are. And Jesus could never think more of himself than he actually is because he is perfect God Almighty. So no matter how great and grand he can think, that's who he is. He didn't have a pride problem. Because the greatest he could think about himself is still accurate. But he chose to set all of that aside, all of that aside, and step in to our mess and our brokenness in order to serve us by making a way for us to have a relationship with God. Why do we put others' needs before us? Because God put our needs in front of his in the form of Jesus. Why do we put our wants on the back burner in order to serve? Because Jesus put his wants on the back burner in order to step forward and to serve. One of the things he prayed before he went to the cross to die for our sins, he said, God, if this is possible, I don't want to do this. But it's not about what I want. It's about what you want. And so doing nothing of same selfish ambition or vain conceit. Jesus died on a cross for our sins. For your sins, for my sins. For your selfishness, my selfishness, your rebellion, your apathy, your laziness, my apathy, my laziness, my pride, your pride. He died for us. No one in this room is exempt to bring us into a relationship with God. And as we talk about these heart attitudes and this posture that we want to take towards other people, If you're here and you don't have a faith element in your life, some of these things are going to be a struggle. Because we have this selfishness, this human sin nature that kind of hangs out on us and it sticks to us. Kind of like the smell of gasoline. You just can never wash it off. Our sin always smells. It's always there. Spiritually stinking us up. And when Jesus came in and he came and stepped in and he took that upon himself and died a human death so that we wouldn't have to. And he took, he took the punishment for us so that we could have a relationship with God. So when God would look at us and our selfishness and our rebellion, he would see Jesus' goodness and holiness and selflessness in its place and say, you're my son, you're my daughter. Why do we serve others? Because when people look in, they say, this is something I want to be a part of. This is the plan that God had for me. And I didn't realize I was missing it until I saw you guys living it out. 
We do that because it's attractive. Why do we serve others? Because it's a tool that God has given us to keep our egos and our little idols in check. Why do we serve others? Because God served us first. And because of that, we can have a relationship with Him. Thank you for listening to the Tarleton BSM Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe. To keep up with everything Tarleton BSM, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tarleton BSM. See you next time.